Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this Saturday's edition of the Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, and Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 19th of March 2022, and the title of today's show is The Spiritual War and the Battle for Humanity. And I'm going to take something of a helicopter view of what's going on, rather than, I, I will be putting in some detail, but looking at the various things that are going on in the world and how they all tie together. Um, I'm going to be covering the Russia-Ukraine story. I'm going to be covering the pandemic situation. I'm also going to be uh, looking at the attacks on the nature of humanity and talking about especially the transgender agenda and also then looking at how we're fighting back from all of this because it you know sometimes it's easy to get stuck in the detail without really seeing the big picture so I want to look at it from both uh, perspectives so let's look at Russia and Ukraine the PSYOP as I've called it has persuaded millions of people to unwittingly, is the word I would use, support the deep state's Great Reset program because they're basically supporting Ukraine and demonizing Russia. So I'm going to dive into that. I'm going to start with uh, John Rappaport, who, as I've shared before, is a very good investigative journalist and, you know... I've also said I'm not happy with Epoch Times, the way they're just parroting the the propaganda that the mainstream media are putting out, basically going against Russia and Ukraine is somehow this uh, beautiful place that's absolutely faultless and Zelensky is a hero. I covered on Wednesday's show how... He had addressed all these parliaments and, and addressed Congress, addressed the UK, Canada and so on. And they're treating him like this hero. Well, he's far from a hero, as we have seen. So anyway, let me go straight into John Rappaport's article. So John's article, this is really the big picture of what the Great Reset is. And the title is The Great Reset is the Great Con. This was published March 11th. More than a year ago, I pointed out that you shouldn't look for logic in trying to figure out why COVID necessitates the Great Reset. It's a hustle and not a very good one. The main PR grifter, Klaus Schwab, founder of the World Economic Forum, points to the devastating economic consequences stemming from the pandemic. That's why we have to reorder the whole planet. But digging down a few inches below his bloviation, we see this. The economic devastation equals the lockdowns. In other words, the lockdown policy of governments brought on the economic horror story. And now to correct that action, which never should have been taken in the first place, we have to transform the world by putting globalists in complete control. If you buy that line of thought, I have condos for sale on Jupiter. Here is another translation of what Schwab is saying. With people reeling from the COVID restrictions, globalists can pull a smoke and mirrors act and steal everything they haven't already stolen. Schwab then follows this up with a new pile of gibberish about turning corporations 
into stakeholder capitalists, meaning these companies would care more about their workers, their communities, their environmental impacts and the planet. The vague generalities are a tip-off. Somebody is going to have to define them and enforce them. That will be who? A bureaucracy of vast size working for a global governance body. If you have faith in such a system, I'm selling all of Jupiter, cash only, up front. A word about environmental impacts. If polluting corporations themselves weren't controlling national departments of justice, we would already have a far cleaner environment. And many corporate CEOs, friends of Schwab, would be in prison. Transforming the global order isn't going to solve environmental problems. Reducing our carbon footprint by lowering energy production across the world, thus creating more poverty, isn't a solution. The need for a reset doesn't flow from COVID. The false pandemic was launched so that a reset could be ushered in. Unfortunately, we have millions and millions of rubes and yokels who, when billionaires say love and peace, and we're all in this together get down on their knees and exclaim, finally, a better world. What would that better world actually consist of? Wall-to-wall surveillance, universal guaranteed income, tied to social credit score, elimination of private property, massive censorship, freezing and seizure of bank accounts, technologies deployed to reprogram humans. This great reset is miracle of miracles, a set of plans that sprang to life full-blown in the minds of humanitarian leaders after COVID was announced in January of 2020. Sure, you bet. Uh Uh-huh. The oldest con of cons is bait and switch. Bait people with a story about a virus, and then while you're protecting them from the fairy tale germ, switch over to the reset and say, don't worry, it's part of the protection. Here's an argument mentally challenged people are fond of making. If you sincerely and earnestly want a better planet, that's all that counts. The details and who will take charge in creating that planet are of minor importance. Leave the job to the experts. But wishing doesn't make it so. Generalities don't automatically translate into desired outcomes. How do you think leaders have always conned their followers? By promising them pain, suffering, poverty and slavery, leaders offer peace and happiness. They have to. The happiness will come in this life or the next, and it will be managed by entities the leaders promote. Even when the manager is God himself, it's not your God, it's the God in the stories the political leaders tell. He's the one they want you to worship. They know you have your own and they try to make you believe theirs and yours are the same. They say there is a plague in the land, and God or the devil or nature or a lab sent it. And just over the horizon sits the overarching answer, the beautiful dawn, the promise. But it's not the promise in your heart, it's the one in theirs. So use your power to look into their hearts. See what's there. So just popping back to the big picture again, we've got the Russia-Ukraine conflict And alongside it, we've got the fact that millions of people were persuaded to be injected with a bioweapon and give up their freedoms. And one of the things I want to cover is the way that there are more pandemic plans in the works and the role of Russia in preventing them carrying out these plans. And this is from Forbidden Knowledge TV. The title is Horrifying Russian Report, Ukrainian Biolabs Creating Special Bioweapons for Ethnic Cleansing. Of course, we've got to remember that part of the uh, agenda, the Great Reset, is um, population reduction. So how convenient if there's another um, pandemic released onto the world, they're already achieving uh, a measure of that with the absolute um, holocaust of the vaccine uh, adverse events, deaths and um, crippling injuries from it. Uh, but that's not enough for them. Let's, let's just uh, carry on with this. This is March 18th, 2022. 
Dr. Ariana Love joins Stu Peters to discuss the Pentagon-run biolabs in Ukraine. She firmly believes that Russian military reports about US-operated biolabs in Ukraine are credible, and she affirms that Russia's incursion into Ukraine is all for the denazification and demilitarization of the country, as well as to seize control and destroy and expose the US bioweapons labs to the world. Russia is liberating the Ukrainian people after eight years of genocide and ethnic cleansing. On the other side is the US deep state and NATO allies who have been using Ukraine for the manufacturing and exportation of biological weapons for this COVID-19 democide. Russia exposed that the US government, Department of Defense and NATO partners funded and operated 30 biolabs in Ukraine under the COVID-19 prevention program, but in actuality, they were producing bioweapons that are being used in this vaccine holocaust. Russia revealed 145 species of bioweapons that have been studied in Ukraine, and two of them are crossing into Russia. This is according to Russian military reports. Parasite and insect vectors that transmit severe infectious diseases to humans were being smuggled out of Ukraine and the biosamples were being transferred abroad from a biolab in Kharkiv. Routes into Europe were already being mapped and they were working on dangerous coronavirus specimens and how to spread it among populations. This was revealed by the Russians. Classified documents captured by the Russians reveal the paper trail between Ukrainian biolabs and the Doherty Institute in Australia. The Victoria Infectious Diseases Laboratory in Melbourne were caught importing blood serum from Ukrainian biolabs. There's 350 cryocontainers containing blood serum specimens that were being used under the pretense of antibody research. Ozzy Cossack also reported that Australian mercenaries have been spotted in Ukraine in the city of Zytomir, 150 kilometres west of Kiev. The former president, Barack Obama himself, had authorised the instruction of these biolabs for creating level 3 dangerous pathogens in 2005 when he was an Illinois senator. It was the Obama-Biden regime that established the coup d'etat in Kyiv. The Azov Battalion Nazis that are wreaking havoc in Ukraine were funded by Jewish oligarchs with dual nationalities to Israel, such as Ihor Kolomoisky, who, as I've covered in previous shows, owns Burisma, which is the company that was paying Hunter Biden uh, millions of dollars. More on that later. Azov Nazis were supplied with Tavor rifles by the Israeli state. The neo-Nazi were able to officially integrate into the National Guard of Ukraine in 2014. Former Marine Corps officer Scott Ritter told George Galloway the first troops to be trained by US and British soldiers were the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion. So the Nazis violently overthrew the legitimate president of Ukraine, and forced their way into the government. The Zelensky puppet regime and the militarised Nazis have been committing war crime atrocities and have been targeting Russian Christian Ukrainians ever since. Stu comments, so what you're saying is, bad actors inside of the United States, Barack Obama and Joe Biden, along with the State Department and the CIA, conducted a violent overthrow of the democratically elected government, that was elected in 2014. Both sides agree that the vote was fair. They staged BLM-style riots. They practiced the same meddling and election theft as they implemented here, all of the psyops included, so that they could develop bioweapons to target Christians. This is Soros's war. That's what this is. This is not something that just is popping up with Vladimir Putin. This is instigated at the hands of our State Department, corrupt bad actors inside of the global cabal, and the deep state here in the United States. From the very beginning, I said, if you want to blame anybody for this war, look no further than the United States deep state. Dr. Love continues, 
the US government released documents in 2020 admitting that the biolabs are for, in quotes, vaccine development, and the US Department of State had full control over everything that happened in those labs. Russia revealed that the US was developing plague, anthrax, cholera, Ebola, filoviruses, and much, much more. Ebola is in the Johnston Johnson and Sinovac patents. The filovirus is used in Moderna, so it's clear that the illegal pathogens from these biolabs have been used to inoculate the world's population for this democide. We should all be thanking Russia for exposing this to the world and destroying those labs. Russia also mentioned that the H5N1 and the H1N1 were also being produced in those labs. The H1N1 induced a smallpox and I found also an mRNA nanotechnology vaccine patent for cattle using the H5N1 and the H1N1 and the deadly brucella bacteria. So these bioweapons made in Ukraine are also being used to poison and genetically modify our food supply. Journalist Diliana Gaitanziva reported that the Pentagon unleashed deadly antibiotic-resistant bacteria on the local civilian population and on Allied troops, according to leaked documents. So the Pentagon was experimenting on 4,400 soldiers in Ukraine and another 1,000 in Georgia, and the documents read that the deaths should be reported to the US government. So US personnel at these biolabs were given diplomatic immunity, although they are not diplomats, and they are indemnified from the deaths and injuries caused to the local population. There were 13 lethal bacteria being tested on troops and civilians in Ukraine. The Bacillus anthraxis, that's anthrax, it can be disseminated by aerial spraying. And I found a patent for removing the plasma DNA from the Bacillus anthraxis bacteria using a CRISPR-Cas9 system, and it's owned by China. So they are using mycoplasmas as bioweapons. Brucella is another deadly bacteria that was cultivated in the 1950s and began applying it to vaccines. The US military likes to use this pathogen because they're able to debilitate people without killing them. Being infected with brucellosis is like having the flu by like 10 times, but it's not life-threatening unless you have some other condition, and this sounds very much like COVID-19. There was the Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. It has a 40% lethality, then a couple of other bacteria that you only need 10 of them to make you sick. The US was supposed to have disposed of this bacteria in 1973 because it has up to a 60% lethality, but the US was continuing to weaponize it in Ukraine. So parasites, worms, more deadly bacteria causing Lyme disease, also chronic brain diseases, sounds like prions, and many, many more things were being manufactured there. But this is the most chilling of all, Stu, they were targeting ethnic groups. So one of the things they were doing in these biolabs was they figured out a way to selectively target specific ethnic groups. They can make these weapons more lethal or less lethal to ethnic groups. There was a study released in December of last year which reveals what ethnic groups are being the most genetically modified with this mRNA weaponry, and it happens to be Europeans and European South Asians were the most targeted group, then Africans. And there are two genetic types that are completely immune to this bioweapon, and that is the K26R genetic type, and also the Ashkenazi Jews. They are completely immune to genetic modification. So this is some very chilling evidence. Now, more evidence that Zelensky is one of the WEF deep state puppets comes in terms of what he's doing on a financial economic level. And um, again, it, it crosses over into the whole pandemic thing. One would have thought that in this uh, military conflict between Ukraine and Russia, 
they will be more focused on that than on um, these WEF agendas. So this is an article from Armstrong Economics that was shared on Twitter, actually, and it was posted March 17th. Zelensky has just signed into law the first steps of Schwab's Great Reset. He announced he is introducing a social credit application combining universal basic income, UBI, a digital identity and a vaccine passport, all within their DIIA app. He also says that because so much money is coming into Ukraine, as he has become an international celebrity, he has legalised cryptocurrencies in Ukraine. He will allow foreign and Ukrainian cryptocurrencies exchanges to operate legally according to the country's Ministry of Digital Transformation. And it's showing a tweet announcing Ukraine's president signed the law on virtual assets. Ukraine has legalized the crypto sector, signed a law from now on foreign and Ukrainian cryptocurrencies exchanges will operate legally and banks will open accounts for crypto companies. It is an important step towards the development of the VA market in Ukraine. So far, he has taken in over $63 million in cryptocurrency donations. And as I covered on Wednesday um, relating to the Russian sanctions against all the names that have been involved in corruption in the Ukraine, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, um, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, the list goes on and on. Um, one report was saying that uh, by uh, signing the cryptocurrency into law, that it, it gives a, a way of continuing the money laundering outside of Russia because apparently they were using Russian banks to launder a lot of the money. And now they've got the $14 billion over to Ukraine. They had to find a way of funneling that laundered money back into their pockets. So, you know, this, this just underlines what we've been saying, that this Ukrainian situation is part of the deep state plan for the Great Reset. So... In terms of fighting back, what is happening? Well, we see that more and more people are waking up to this Russia-Ukraine situation, or at least not buying into the propaganda that's being spewed out by fake news. So that's a good thing. Of course, there are still those that are totally brainwashed about this in the same way that they're totally brainwashed about the pandemic. So talking of the pandemic, Moderna has applied for... Um, approval of a fourth uh, kill shot and Pfizer is talking about a fourth injection despite the fact that all the evidence that from the data that they were forced to release is basically proving that it's a bioweapon and it's killing so many people and I still see heartbreaking reports from people about the number of people close to them who have or who they know who have died or suffered awful side effects from these shots. But people will still line up to get more of this, which is quite unbelievable to me. Now, the other thing that's been going on has been the World Health Organization working on a global pandemic treaty. Of course, the World Health Organization is not an elected um, organization. You know, it, it, it should have no authority over individual sovereign nations. And if you remember, Trump pulled the U.S. out of the WHO just because uh, he knew the true nature of it. So I haven't got the pandemic treaty in front of me. It's it's being put together. and um, But I did come across an open letter from the World Council for Health fighting back against this plan by the WHO. So this is a letter by WCH, that's World Council for Health, steering committee member, Shabnam Palesa Mohammed, and it was published on the 8th of March and it's addressed to P. 
People throughout the world, governments, presidents, health ministers, independent media, who, via World Health Assembly, Dr. Tedros Adamon Ghebreyesus, Dr. Sumia Swaminathan, oh, I do hate these <laughs> these names, they're so hard to pronounce, to United Nations via Antonio Guterres, Liu Zenmin, Elliot Harris, Maria Francesca Spatolisano. The World Council for Health, a coalition of scientists, doctors, lawyers and civil society advocacy organisations, opposes the World Health Organisation, whose moves to implement a power grab in the form of a global pandemic agreement, while the world's attention is diverted by the latest crisis. The proposed WHO agreement is unnecessary and is a threat to sovereignty and inalienable rights. It increases the WHO's suffocating power to declare unjustified pandemics, impose dehumanising lockdowns and enforce expensive, unsafe and ineffective treatments against the will of the people. The WCH believes that the people have a right to participate in any agreement that affects their lives, livelihoods and well-being. However, the WHO has not engaged in a process of public participation, which is evidence that its priority is capturing more power for itself and its corporate accomplices than serving the interests of the people. Without an unbiased democratic process, any agreement by the WHO, acting via the United Nations, will be unlawful, illegitimate and invalid. Historically, the WHO leadership has failed the people. Among many examples, it approved the injurious H1N1 swine flu vaccine for a controversially declared pandemic. Equally, the WHO failed during the COVID-19 chapter as it encouraged lockdowns suppressed early preventive treatments and recommended product interventions that are proven to be neither safe nor effective. The WHO cannot be allowed to control the world's health agenda, nor enforce biosurveillance. While it receives funding from public sources belonging to the people, it is caught in a perpetual conflict of interest because it also receives substantial funding from private interests that use their contributions to influence and profit from WHO decisions and mandates. For example, the Gates Foundation and the Gates-funded Gavi Vaccine Promotion Alliance contribute over $1 billion a year. Call to action. WCH partners from Australia to Zimbabwe stand against this costly abuse of power and assert the sovereign right of people to make their own decisions over and above what their representatives may want. We urge everyone to approach credible government representatives, political parties, trade unions, civil society groups, professionals, public figures and independent media to 1. Raise awareness about the implications of the proposed global pandemic agreement. 2. Call for national campaigns that protect natural law and democratic constitutions. 3. Join credible civil society coalitions, such as the World Council for Health. We also encourage everyone to learn more about principles, accords, conventions and treaties that protect the rights of men, women and children. These include the Syracuse principles in the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which provide legal standards to protect rights. Leading up to the WHO's 77th World Health Assembly in 2024, where the WHO intends to confirm their pandemic agreement, the WCH will continue to raise awareness through campaigning against this undemocratic move. For information about the WCH's past work on this issue, follow links to WCH Town Hall on the pandemic plan and see these articles on the subject. So um, it's really picking up on the more, you know, illegal, unconstitutional, whatever you care to call it, intervention or attempted intervention by the WHO. We saw how um, instrumental they were during the height of the pandemic or the pandemic, I should say, in terms of um, shutting down the world, in effect. And of course, people like Fauci, were in lockstep just implementing or, you know, announcing all these 
steps that had to be followed to prevent something that they actually created. So let's look at the third thing that is happening in terms of the battle for humanity, the spiritual war. There are attacks happening now on the very nature of humanity with accusations about toxic masculinity to destroy the divine masculine and the promotion of transgenderism to destroy the divine feminine. And also we have the threat of transhumanism as well, which is being promoted, you know, will will improve the human condition by merging it with technology, um, destroying the soul of humanity. And it's heartbreaking to see how transgenderism is being pushed on young children. On Twitter today, I saw somebody tweet that um, a friend of hers with a 13-year-old daughter had come home from school claiming that she was probably a boy. And in the Twitter thread, multiple other instances of children, young teens, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, having this gender confusion pushed on them and teachers coming out as transgender. Um, It is absolutely horrific. This is a crime against humanity. And as somebody remarked, which, you know, I very much resonated with, Um, you know, you've got girls who are tomboys. I was always a tomboy. I had two brothers. I used to be, you know, um, recruited in to play cricket and soccer with them, football as we call it in the UK. And I was into horses. I was never into dolls and all of this kind of thing or, you know, girly stuff. Did that mean I wasn't a female? No. And, you know, we all have a a balance of masculine and feminine energy. So we have characteristics of both genders within us. You know, when I refer to the divine masculine and divine feminine, you know, with the divine masculine, it's the action taking, it's the logic, it's the courage, it's the power. With the divine feminine, it's the intuition, the nurturing, the, you know, the softer elements of the human uh, being and what they're trying to do is corrupt this completely and of course this this is a satanic strategy it's a satanic agenda because you know Moloch is a hermaphrodite both masculine and feminine in terms of the physical makeup and this is why they're trying to undermine everything that makes a human being human and the ridiculousness of this, people are actually waking up to this as well. This week, we had the swimming event with a transgender woman, supposedly, winning again in a woman's competition. And it's this invasion of the women's arena that is so damaging Now, I learned that historically, many civilizations have been matriarchal. And then there was this um, agenda of, you know, really removing women from positions of power became, uh, the civilizations generally became patriarchal. And so women didn't have rights. Um, You know, it's not that long since women weren't even able to vote And I read something about in the US, uh, anything financial had to be countersigned by a husband up until not that many decades ago. So we're seeing the destruction again of the feminine and, you know, ridiculous things. Uh, Buttigieg and his partner um, doing mock breastfeeding of their adopted babies. How ridiculous. And this this um, determination to claim that men can be women, that, that biological science doesn't exist. And, you know, the ridiculous thing that happened in the last week or so was the transgender head of 
um, Health and Human Services, I think, Rachel Levine, uh, listed on USA Today as one of the women of the year. Uh, I do still think, though, we're, we're watching a movie here because, again, the absurdity of this is actually making people stop and think and say, well, that just doesn't make any sense at all. And if you notice, it's far more a case of transgenders, males, actual biological males, invading the female world. You don't see the same um, tactics being used in, you know, females that are claiming to be males. And um, I've got an article I want to share with you about this... Um, transgender women winning this um swimming competition this is from daily wire emma wayant praised as real winner after trans swimmer leah thomas takes first and it says second is the new first and this was march the 18th dailywire.com the university of virginia's emma wayant was praised as the real winner after she came in second to biologically male transgender swimmer Leah Thomas in the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship 500-yard freestyle on Thursday. Round of applause for Emma Wayant, the UVA swimmer who placed second in the 500-yard freestyle tonight behind Leah Thomas, Angela Morabito posted. Second is the new first. Congratulations to Emma Wayne for being the real winner of the Women's 500, Jake Shields wrote. This is Emma Wayne from the University of Virginia. She finished in second place to Leah Thomas in the Women's 500 free at the NCAA National Championships, commented American Principles. But she's the true winner to all of us. Here's the name you should remember and lobby for, Emma Wayne. Eric Reed said she's at UVA. She finished second place but would have been first place if people had the courage to speak up about the injustice of a man competing against women. Wayant's time was a career best. Hashtag the real champ. In case you want to know how far gone America is, we just took an NCAA championship away from Olympic individual silver medalist Emma Wayant a true exemplar of feminine athleticism and awarded it to someone with a penis who was competing as a men's swimmer last year, Jeremy Carl bluntly posted. Emma Wayant won, Courtney Kershoff asserted. She's the first female to finish. She didn't finish in second place. She finished first in the women's 500 free. Congrats to Virginia freshman Emma Wayant, the woman who would have won tonight's NCAA title in the 500 metre if women's sports were still sane, wrote Clay Travis. A Virginia Tech swimmer on Thursday spoke out publicly after her teammate was crushed by the inclusion of Thomas. I've got a teammate who did not make the final today because she was just bumped out of finals, the collegiate swimmer told Rapid Fire's Savannah Hernandez. It's heartbreaking to see someone who went through puberty as a male and has the body of a male be able to absolutely blow away the competition. She was very emotional and it's hard to see because it's her last NCAAs. She really loves that race and it was just heartbreaking that she put all of her efforts into it today, one of the best times that she's went in a morning session and still not make it back, she described. It's hard to see someone who works every day and every night still not be able to compete against someone like that. And of course, it was Biden who signed an executive order opening up women's sports to men. And as um, to finish what I was saying earlier, you don't see transgender women, as in males, trans, sorry, women transitioning to males in men's sports. It's only this way around that it works. And it also seems to be second-rate uh, male athletes that strategically choose to be transgender just so that they can win at sports against women because they don't stand a chance against other male competitors. 
I think you can guess I'm pretty annoyed about this and I'm sure you know many many more people are and people have been saying well why are these women um, continuing to compete if they actually refuse to compete in these ridiculous competitions against men then the whole thing would fall apart um, you know by complying and continuing to compete and not protesting about this they're actually to a degree enabling it just like complying with mask mandates and vaccine mandates and everything else it's only by resisting that and refusing to comply that anything will change. So, you know, people on Twitter have been calling for these ladies to just say, you know, to stand on the on the starting blocks, as it were, and then when the race starts, just not um, participate in it, to make a mockery of the whole thing. So there's a lot of outrage about this, but there's still this woke community that um are defending this there's a video out on the on social media of a woman and a, a guy a woke guy um at this swimming event debating on whether leah thomas is male or female and it's a typical um response by a woke person to say well are you a biologist claiming that Leah Thomas is actually male. It's like people who were um, sharing actual proper science about the COVID situation, they were getting challenged as, well, are you a doctor? You know, as if you can't actually do any, uh, make any conclusions unless you have you know, a qualification in that particular thing. And this lady's rebuttal was, well, I'm not a veterinarian, but I do know what a dog is. And she was saying, you know, this guy is a guy. He's got a penis. He shouldn't be in a women's competition. So, yes, we're fighting back. Now, the interesting thing this week is the Hunter Biden laptop is back in the news. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, why now? And it was brought to our attention by none other than the New York Times of all publications, which, you know, as you know, is fake news, very much a left wing rag, as it were. And I've got an article about this. But before I do that, there's something very strange going on with Zelensky and Biden. And this is a screenshot I took um, and it's showing... Zelensky warns of Russian cyber attacks altering Ukrainians' browser histories. They can make it seem like you are visiting gay pornographic websites. Be vigilant. Now, Zelensky, of course, is infamous for his uh, the video where he's dressed in high heels and, you know, topless uh, with leather pants and noticeable satanic symbolism um so why would he put that statement out because some of this is going to come out and they're trying to get in there in denial and um, justifying why it exists before it hits the fan as it were and then there's Biden. This is breaking 911. I bet everybody knows. Some, this is a quote from Biden. I bet everybody knows somebody somewhere along the line that in an intimate relationship, what happened was the guy takes a revealing picture of his naked friend or whatever in a compromising position and then blackmails or mortifies that person. Well, interesting that he should put that out. Um, just at the point where the Hunter laptop resurfaces. And some of the uh, the meme experts have put together, this This was in an announcement of this new um, organisation or something uh, on video by Biden. So the memers have made their own version. And as he's talking, they put up in the video uh, pictures that were on Hunter's laptop of him in very compromising positions and you know I covered the laptop um 
quite a bit when it first emerged. That was back in 2020, of course, before the presidential election. And to be honest, I didn't dive into it that much because supposedly there were some horrific videos and things on there. And I can't even remember the name of the... um, the website where all the files were 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 stored, I think they were released by a, a Chinese defector, and just the thumbnails themselves that were on these uh, on this website were enough to put me off. But yes, very much back in the news, and X twenty two was theorising that it's because we're moving closer to what he calls a change of batter, in other words, removing Biden and opening the door for um, a different president and possibly vice president. Um, Whether or not that's going to happen, I don't know. But let's just um, go into this uh, article. And I decided to go with the New York Post article because, of course, they were the ones who broke the story about hunter biden's laptop in the first place and then were um kicked off twitter for spreading misinformation and it was labeled if you remember as russian disinformation so this was from yesterday gop fury at big tech dems after new york times admits hunter biden laptop is real outraged republicans have accused big tech democrats and the liberal media of colluding to censor reports on Hunter Biden's infamous laptop after the New York Times finally admitted the device was real. The New York Times admits what we've known for years. The Hunter Biden laptop story was true. Big tech censorship of this story was a disgrace. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican Arkansas, tweeted Thursday morning. For decades, the Biden family has cashed in on Joe's government service. Cotton added in a subsequent tweet, even today, Hunter Biden is getting paid millions for his, in quotes, artwork in a corrupt arrangement blessed by the White House. The GOP backlash was in response to a Grey Lady report earlier this week that belatedly verified a trove of emails contained on the laptop's hard drive, 17 months after the Post first started reporting on it. President Biden and his administration had previously dismissed the Post's exclusive report on the laptop, which Hunter ditched at a Delaware repair shop in 2019, as Russian misinformation. Senator Rick Scott, Republican Florida, fumed that the cover-up helped President Biden secure victory in the 2020 election. The New York Times confirmed what many of us already knew. The Democrats and their allies in media and big tech conspired to cover up the Hunter Biden story to help Joe Biden win a presidential election, Scott tweeted. And it shows um, an image of Hunter in, in the bath smoking a cigarette and Hunter and Joe um, Representative Lauren Boebert said the New York Times report made President Biden a compromised politician. Um, She raged on Twitter now that the New York Times has even confirmed the Hunter Biden laptop's veracity. Can we begin to admit that Joe Biden is, by definition, a compromised politician? Representative Darrell Issa, Republican California, called for a congressional probe in the wake of the Times report. Tonight, I'm calling for a congressional investigation into how big tech, mainstream media and the Democrat industrial complex colluded to suppress the Hunter Biden scandals. And during the last days of the 2020 election, he tweeted. Meanwhile, Representative Jim Jordan tweeted a link to a post story on the Times confirmation saying simply, told you. And the House Judiciary Committee, sorry, the House Judiciary GOP linked the laptop scandal to claims by Democrats that former President Donald Trump colluded with Russia ahead of the 2016 presidential election. They told you President Trump colluded with Russia, they tweeted. He didn't. They told you Hunter Biden's laptop was fake. It wasn't. 
And then an opinion piece by Kyle Smith of the New York Post, how Dem officials, the media and big tech worked in concert to bury the Hunter Biden story. And this was March 18th, yesterday again. Everlasting, undying, soul-rending shame be upon you, Facebook and Twitter and Politico and all the others who covered up, denied and suppressed this newspaper's true and accurate reporting about Hunter Biden's laptop in 2020. You should be hurling yourselves at the feet of the American people, begging forgiveness. You should be renting billboards saying, we lied. But most importantly, you should be hauled before Congress to answer humiliating questions. These and other information purveyors owe us, not just this paper, but this country, restitution for what now looks like the most egregious and willful fake news scam of our time. This paper's scoops on Hunter Biden's laptop in 2020 were labelled Russian in misinformation by Politico, a hoax by Stephen Brill, a fact-check site NewsGuard, discredited by many, many red flags NPR, and a hack-and-leak operation that had to be throttled, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. And it's got uh, an image again of Hunter and Joe, and a report from New York Post back in October 2020, the front cover censored Facebook and Twitter block post expose on Hunter Biden files. Um, it was infamously snubbed out on Twitter, as was the Post's Twitter account, because of a policy about hacked materials that only seemed to apply to this one case. Twitter didn't bar the New York Times stories about Donald Trump's tax returns, which could have come from hacked materials, for all we know, and almost certainly were the product of a criminal act. Leaking tax returns is against the law, but the Times never even told us how it got the returns, so we don't know. The New York Post acted with transparency in explaining to readers how it got the laptop from hell. Moreover, Nobody on Team Biden denied the Post's report because they knew or suspected it was true. Every news outlet in the country should have fronted the story at that point. Biden team refuses to deny Hunter Biden laptop story. A few months later, Hunter himself said the laptop certainly could be his and the media shrugged instead of apologising. And another front cover from the New York Post says after cries of Russian disinformation a media blackout and a Twitter ban, Hunter admits that laptop certainly could be his, the long con. Nobody on President Biden's campaign denied the Post reporting. And then there's an image of the Mac shop, which is where Hunter dropped off the laptop for repair. Even in the presidential debate where the matter came up, Joe Biden's comments were not a denial, but simply a deflection. And everybody who reported that he denied the laptop story was guilty of propagating fake news all over again. What he actually said was, there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. Five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except his good friend Rudy Giuliani. Joe, who later said yes, 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 when a reporter asked him if he believed the laptop was Russian disinfo, the question allowed him all the wiggle room in the world, pointedly wasn't denying the laptop belonged to Hunter and wasn't denying the material on it was genuine. He was simply referring to the now infamous Politico whitewash of October 19th, 2020, which was fake news about fake news. The headline, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intelligence officials say, didn't even accurately relate what was in the story. Those officials simply said they were suspicious about Russian involvement, admitted they had no evidence for this and pointed out, this was buried in the 10th paragraph of Politico's story, we want to emphasise that we do not know if the emails are genuine or not. In other words, the notorious liar James Clapper et al. As far as I can tell, every signatory who made his opinion known about the election was a Biden supporter were simply peeing in the dark. Their rank speculation was unworthy of being published. 
Yet Politico's fake headline on this piece of partisan fan fiction gave the media and its Democratic Party enforcers all the cover they needed to treat the whole story like it was a ruse planted by Vladimir Putin. Say, geniuses, if Putin had simply fabricated the whole thing, don't you think Hunter Biden would have said, that's not my stuff? And wouldn't Putin have planted material that would have nuked Joe Biden's presidential aspirations rather than merely raising questions about his son's dealings? All Jen Psaki had to do was retweet Politico's bullshit headline, Who Reads Beyond Headlines? The Times and other major papers simply ignored the substance of the post-scoop and now their readers know, or rather have just been re-re-re-reminded, that their Democratic Party cheerleaders who even allow presidential candidates to dictate details of how they get covered. The next time they fact-check, the next time they cry wolf, who will believe them? And then lastly, another one from New York Post. Spies who lie. 51, in quotes, intelligence, end quote, experts refuse to apologise for discrediting true Hunter Biden's story. They are the supposed non-partisan group of top spies looking out for the best interest of the nation. But the 51 former intelligence officials who cast doubt on the Post's Hunter Biden laptop stories in a public letter really were just desperate to get Joe Biden elected president. And more than a year later, even after their deep state sabotage has been shown again and again to be a lie, they refused to own up to how they undermined an election. The officials, including CNN pundit and professional fabricator James Clapper, a man who has nearly charged for perjury for lying to Congress, signed a letter saying that the laptop has the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. What proof did they have? By their own admission, none. We do not know if the emails are genuine or not, the letter said. They're just suspicious. Why? Because they hurt Biden's campaign. That's evidence enough. Keep in mind this was written October 19th, 2020, five days after the Post published its first story. Neither Joe Biden nor Hunter Biden had denied the story. They simply deflected questions. Didn't these security experts think that if this was disinformation, the Biden campaign would have yelled to the heavens that the story was false? I'm not going to read the rest of that article because I just want to wind this week's show up with some comments again about the fact that we are in a spiritual war and we are in the battle for humanity. But we are also, remember this, we're in the great awakening. And I do believe with all of this information coming out um, about Russia, Ukraine, about the Great Reset, about Biden's, Hunter Biden's laptop, um, the fact that none of the uh, world leaders have any respect for Biden at all. Some of them won't even speak to him, as I reported in uh, a previous show that he's, when I was covering the president in exile story, that Trump is really the one who they are um, dealing with as the actual president in office, even though he's in exile. So, the fact that all of this is coming out and there's more and more outrage about this um, transgender thing. Uh, people are really not buying the threat of another wave of COVID cases and certainly are refusing to comply with any more lockdowns and mandates. And we're also seeing the destruction of the petrodollar um, moves to gold-backed currencies. I've mentioned this before as well. So I do believe we're winning and I have I refuse to even consider any other outcome than absolute triumph for the light, for God, for the patriots, for the world. And at that note, I will end this show. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you'll join me on Wednesday for my midweek cosmic creating show. Thank you very much to Nancy for producing. And if you want to find out more about me, go to the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, and um, empoweredmanifestation.com. And I would also like to thank Derek Condit of mysticalwares.com, 
who makes all this possible with their sponsorship. And really do visit Mystical Wares. They have some wonderful crystals and all sorts of energy devices. And of course, the magical Shungite, which I would never be without. So that's it. Stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.